Chris posted uh, the video a couple weeks ago of the, the the guy berating the saxophonist. Oh, that the dude who's like, yeah, the dude, the dude, the dude, yeah, you suck, you suck. He's like, our podcast spirit animal. I went to Tisch School of Music. That's the best. That's the best dude ever. And I guarantee that video is old though. That's an old video. That's from 2000 and probably if he's still if he if he's still alive. He didn't look very old. He didn't look super old. Like, like 70? Like, no. He looked like he was like in his 50s. Late 50s. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know this video. I want to watch it. He didn't sleep so good. Memes. Memes, but related to. Tegna memes. Tegna memes, page. But on that note, I think we should formally start the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to uh, episode three of Basecamp Beta. Um, today. Uh, you're with me, Chris. And me, Sean. And I'm Katie. Uh, and I'm Asya. And uh, my name is Sahir. And uh, yeah, why don't you guys introduce yourselves quickly for our. Uh, yes. We, we do a group called Internet Powerlifting Federation. Yeah, we do a group called Internet Powerlifting Federation that I'm pretty sure nobody's heard of, which is uh, fun. And uh, it's a, it's an audio and visual project, but um, we have some stuff coming out soon. We have a record coming out, and there's few copies, but uh, we'll figure out when it's going to come out. But it's it's going to come out probably around a month. We actually got a test pressing uh, yesterday. Which exciting. is exciting. You've also both been DJing for a oh very yeah, long that time too, and, and and active in various yes. facets of various yes. scenes in the city and elsewhere. And and yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot. We forgot. That I was like, Jesus Christ! I've been doing this for like seventeen years or some shit. I was like, I have no idea. A lot. It's been a lot of fun, and you know, um, we stepped away from it for a while um, uh, to kind of like recollect and figure out what we wanted to do. And uh, we're having fun with this project, and we're trying to be very uh, relaxed about our approach. I think, I think broadly, like a lot of people I know are either settling into that kind of space themselves or soon will. Yeah, it's uh, a tough thing. To, it's, a, it's, t- it's tough to a have lot of people stamina wanting, for that. I yeah, think. a lot of people are wanting to kind of take a soft exit from, yes. from the dance I took, music I world. took straight up a soft exit, like without question, if not like a proper hard exit. I was like, all right, I think... Well, I think I think something happens. I think you 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 do it for a while, and when you no longer derive joy from it, or when the joy meter starts to drop below the like stress the meter, stress and I'm, like yeah, that's very, existential that's very issues <laughs> meter, and like what am I doing with my life meter, and like oh shit, I had a goal, and now the goal's gone. Like yeah, sure, yeah. you know, you totally get lonely. You forget that. Like it, you just kind of forget why you got into it in the beginning, and I think that. I hope I'm not bringing everybody down. Like uh, no, no, no. We're we're all already way down. That's yeah. the realness. It's a rager. No. That's the realness. <laughs> yeah, it is. It get, it gets to you, and I don't want to, you know. And I. This podcast is 100 percent bummer town. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus, I live in, right in bummer place. town. <laughs> 
Well, it's like one of my favorite things is like you show up in some random city and then it's like, oh, yeah, just like send me your names for the guest list. And I'm like, who do I know? In who the fuck do I know? And, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'd love to know people, but I don't oh, know yeah. anyone. Feel... And I'm like, but should I? Like, no, am, am I the weirdo bad? that I don't know like 10 people to put on the guest list in I Vilnius? Like, what, people. you know, what? What about some uh, Facebook or Instagram weirdos from the city you're going to play? who kind of like oh, following yeah. you and they're like, oh, can you put me on the guest list? Well, for me, it's fine because oh, like, yeah. I, I don't have a else. guest list. Like, yeah. fine, sure, yeah, I don't give a shit, yeah. you know? It's yeah. like... <laughs> um, yeah, it is it's uh, it is a weird thing because you get these like fair weather friends and then uh, when you step away from it, um, there's a, there was a funny thing that happened. Somebody wrote, what happened to Sahir? And somebody's like, oh, dude, I heard he died. <laughs> That's that's the highest possible honor. I was I was like, this is amazing. Like, just because he he doesn't have Instagram. Because like I don't have an Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah. I do, but I just don't do. I don't know what the, what the fuck. What am I gonna put? I heard up? he died. Yes, I, he's like, so dude, morbid. I heard he died, and someone's like, he didn't die. And then Anna, our May, friend, or maybe he she did, like he steps did. into the conversation, and she's like, dude, he's fine. He's just working on something. They're like, oh yeah, oh that's cool. Okay, and I'm like. I think I accomplished what I was trying to go for. No, that is that's like, sick. I will be so stoked if people are like Sean is. I think he. I think, I think he died. died. Yes. And I'll be like, I I, I pulled it off. I escaped. <laughs> I was like, I officially fucking escaped. I like. I think I'm gonna be all right, you guys. Like, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, fair, the fair weather friends thing and in, in, in nightlife is like a, it's a tough one, and uh, and there's I think there's also two breeds of people there's nightlife people and there's music people exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah because nightlife exists i'm totally like this is what i've noticed over the years it's just like yeah there's like party people and music and people, people. music and like and you can like, tell like when you're in it you can start sometimes it can be a bit hard to see but some but certain windows you'll be like mm-hmm. you know what like i see this like crew i see this party and that seems like a party party. Like yes. that seems like the music is really not secondary, tertiary, like really far down the list. Yeah. Um, name names. Oh, I could totally name. Not naming names. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can sort of see that, and yeah, like you're saying, then there's like music people who, you know, I think we all count ourselves as as the music people here who, uh, you know, lifers. Um, the li- yeah. Well, the people who, you know, would generally, like, stay home and listen to records with friends rather oh, than, sure. you know, like, rather than, like, you know, go out to, like, a party. You know, like, the party is not what brought us together. It was it's the music, it's the, you know. the one place where you can hear that music. Yeah, that was yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, well, I kind of can't hear this stuff anyplace else. So you end up, and I mean, I guess this is also an economic thing that happens is you you end up not, or you look around and you realize that there's not a lot of venues for you to to be able to enjoy that stuff. And so you start seeing how the nightlife people have to fuse. And I think this is a thing that happened in late 90s throughout the 2000s was a lot of spaces were like, we can't survive. So you end up having a club with a hotel and then it becomes hospitality. And then they're like, but we're gonna, we're really about the music though. And you go, all right, well, there's nowhere else to play. And these are the only people who are gonna give me more than like drink tickets to do this. And then you do that, and then they start catering it towards the 
well, hey, could you bring it? Could you not? Because for me, the number one complaint I used to get is like, it's a little depressing. It's like a little depressing. The stuff you're playing is a little dark. It's a little depressing. And I was like, all right, enough. All right. You know, some depressing stuff sounds awesome. This is, this, on the is, this, is, this is how you get, to like, I, I have an overarching theory about mm-hmm. dance music that take any, any subgenre of dance music, mm-hmm. give it enough time and popular exposure, and it becomes tech house. Oh, for sure. And and it's it, because exactly these kinds of kind yeah. of it's essentially like gentrification. It's like, oh well, y- y- this would be cool if it was a little less gay. Oh yes. Oh, this would be okay if it was just a little less weird. Yep. Oh, just uh, maybe if it was a little less hard. Yeah, one hundred percent. And system like, oh, it's, this is too black. Oh, and, for and, sure, I got that one a and, billion and, times. <laughs> I got that one so many fucking times, and and I was like, you know, I know what you're saying. Right? <laughs> like, I know what you're trying to fucking yeah, say, yeah. but like, I get what you're saying. Um. I do think that sometimes party people and music people actually can coexist for like a generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And actually they create each other because music people do need party people because it's if it's only music people listening to music yeah, people, it's the party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, you're right. We have to like make friends. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think you can probably speak to this better than maybe we can because I think in like my times in Moscow, my time. Yeah, in I'm Russia, originally from Russia. There's from like Moscow. a, uh, there's a community and it's tight, and it's like especially around certain clubs, like it's all like these clubs are closed. They're all closed now. now. <laughs> but yeah, in late 2000s, uh, early 2010s, uh, I was present in this particular Moscow scene, which uh, where music people and party people kind of came together and actually created a few um, amazing parties or even like uh, this, the whole scene with a few uh, spots and one of the spots actually closed like uh, a week ago. It was called Denise Imachov Bar. Where me and Sahir met and a lot of uh, DJs from New York and from Europe uh, played there. So probably if some, if some music people listening to us, they even heard about this place. Uh, but yeah, now... This generation kind of officially done, and probably of. something else happening. Yeah. I bet I heard it's a lot, a lot of techno nowadays, and probably it's connected. to It's so- a lot social. of techno. Let's just please. These are air quotes sure, I'm doing. The record, the record, which uh, which is coming out next month, it is it is quite pop, and it has verse and chorus and verse and chorus. Um, and uh, but not not always though. No, not always. Not I always. I love all the different versions you did. Of Thank it too. you. That was like Thank our you. weird attempt to make like you know when they have you get like a value it. pack. Yeah. Like when you were like a kid, and you're like, oh shit, there's like six mixes on here, and I only yeah. got six bucks. It's great. It's yeah, a yeah, really yeah. good like, idea. I was like, what if there's... we just like make a bunch of mixes? I feel like that's so rare these days. I mean, it's like it's less rare, but it's also I'm really out of like I don't know what's going on anymore. So it's, well, it's just like it used to be like you know I mean like it, no one's making like you know a strictly rhythm 12 inch where it's just like one track five mixes on yeah, one 12 like, inch, yes. you know? And, and, and the funny thing is that in the past year, we've been digitizing uh, our record collection, primarily dance, uh, like 12, 90, 12 inches from the 90s. Yeah. And we're looking at just like six different versions on one record, or at least and they four. All and, sound and they're all different. So yeah. different, and they yes. could be played in so many different yes. contexts. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's like two other mixes that we actually haven't released yet. One yeah, of them probably. is like, I don't even know what to call it. Um, Gallo mix. mix. One of them 
is actually kind of like a Gabra jungle mix. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a jungle mix. Okay, and I can tell you, and I can tell you like how it actually ended up happening. I was losing my brain while we were working on these, and I was just like, "What if I just keep turning the BPMs up each time we do a mix?" And I just kept going up higher and higher and higher. Next thing I know, I was like 170. I was like, "That's that's how you see God." Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "When it starts going that fast, it's just a blur." And I was like, "What would happen? What would happen if I just like keep?" Bring it up, fucking iron. And what if we add some uh, samples? Yeah, yeah. I love. We were losing it. I I live for those moments of experimentation, so I'm all for it. It's great. I think it comes from like, it used to be that house music was like generally based in a song. In a song, you know, Um, and now sort of along uh, Sean's uh, theory of everything becoming tech house, a lot of these things have become stripped of all their. Sort of the traditional verse, chorus, verse. Well, not just like, yeah, you know, not just that, but also just like anything that is really like I don't know emotional or anything that's yeah. really like identifiable, and yeah, it's just uh, kind uh, of like oh well, all we want is just kind of like a thing to keep it going, you know? Wait, yeah, yeah, oh no, but which, then which it, are the good ones though? Like the, I'll be ones? honest with you, "Endless Summer" from Finesse is a fucking great record. There's a lot of good. That's I mean, a, really a lot of the oh, stuff on like Migo the Feno, and Mill Plateau. Yeah, some of those records and, you are know, good. Like a lot of that stuff is great. I mean, I have a huge fondness for that sound but like i will like every a couple year every couple years i'll go back and listen to a lot of like early 2000s clicks and cuts kind of thing and i'll be like oh here's a record i didn't know about like this looks promising and i'll listen to it and i'll be like like, nah has nothing there you know it's just loop finding jazz music uh jan yelenek's a nice record that's a nice record but that was also there's some of the farben shit's nice i mean there's some nice stuff from that time period Vladislav Delay in his fucking pocket, son. This shit was real. Like well, I you remember know. that stuff, and it's it, it is. You go back and listen to it, and you're like, ah. not Vladislav Delay. He's he's a personal hero. So I mean, yeah. I think honestly that Luoma project, I still listen to today. And, I'm just like, and yeah, probably all all the time when uh, when we're working on music and we're trying to create this like mix between dance music and pop music that's one of the biggest references all the time yeah just yeah. listen to lo homo yeah, yeah i mean that was like a watershed project oh, completely, for completely. you know just being able to take a very like underground and incredibly like experimental sound that he was working with in like other projects and then totally folding in this pop thing can and, you imagine if like tech house actually like did that like, i mean how much better it i've be? heard it sometimes and it fucking is terrible yeah it was just like really poorly done but yes. luomo because he you know because Wait, he's like an i don't know if i've musician. ever even heard this and i'm it's a luomo embarrassed to really say scarily yeah we'll have a whole we i mean we're gonna have like a vocal city episode yeah because that's like a key record oh yeah wow. for everyone it's, it's, you know it's, 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 it's a super right it's beautiful like yeah. i remember there was nobody at the fucking club and i went to go see him play and it was like empty as shit and yeah I was yeah like, well i'll be here standing in the front and i remember just like hearing this shit on a system and he was doing like a live <laughs> live set um it was boring as hell but man it sounded good like that that's a tough that's a tough road to climb pop music's tough it's fucking difficult man like taking i mean in that the article you sent me earlier about that like you know the idea of like the hit machine yeah like, the, I did the, get into the team the songwriting team yes. stargate yeah which i'm completely fascinated by yeah. and the story of esther dean like how she was discovered at a gap band concert yeah, there's, i mean it's i'm like Maybe, maybe you want to give a little brief context. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You, you can give it because I only got oh. halfway through and I was like, I want to talk about this because I've been thinking about this well, shit a lot. It, um, I guess 
well, the story really focused on this um, vocalist and songwriter, Esther Dean, who is a part of like a team of um, people who, who've made like some of the, mo- like most of Rihanna's hit songs and um, uh, for other pop artists as well. Um, and she was discovered, uh, she's from Oklahoma, and she was discovered at a Gap Band concert. Um, I think maybe she was working as a nurse in the early, mid-2000s, and she was at a Gap Band concert singing along and the manager of the Gap Band like heard her singing over like the something crazy like this. It, it's highlighted in the story, and um, yeah, the next thing you know, she's like in the studio. Like they're asking her if she can if she writes songs or whatever, and she's like, "Well, here's here's some of my songs," and they're like, "Great, like let's let's work together." And it's it's crazy and um her whole thing was that she watched um the movie the secret oh, when no. it came out Seriously. so she was all what about this movie she was all about like manifesting yeah it's the idea it's this well the book also was one of those things that i remember uh i feel like that book is like the um the adam levine of like books yeah, <laughs> you just sort of like it. Just to me, feels like whatever Adam Levine represents to America is like what that book is. What that book is? Yeah, it's really like strange. It's, it's it's that. But it's like you, you know, can, you know, you just have to believe in it and, and put it in. What do you say? Put it into the universe or something. Yeah, make bullshit. a vision board. You, which apparently she did. She made a vision board and put pictures of Ciara and like things that she wanted to come true and like a year later she's writing songs for Ciara like one of her idols it worked yeah seriously wow I, I need to it. <laughs> this book. yo my she vision really, board sucks she, she really sold me on it you know vision board. And, my vision board has blindfolds on <laughs> there's nothing there and she at all. Um, apparently can <laughs> my vision board has blindfolds on has gotta be a song title <laughs> <laughs> story of my fucking life it's I'm so just like yeah, it's not gonna work out yeah it's it's a pretty it's a pretty great story and I, I just I had no before I read this article I had no idea yeah. that this team was behind like I I, I assumed that um, Rihanna didn't write all of her no. songs but like all of those themes of, of like no. you know like like the raunchy kind of sexy persona <laughs> and like um, some of the topics and like Esther Dean who's writing the songs like she's like yeah she's like I don't really party I don't really go to clubs or anything she's just like writing these songs it just comes it's out lyrical cosplay yeah it's it's all That's of these crazy. songs are li- lyrical cosplay yeah. as you said and then like you just find the beautiful sexy star to embody that and then they do it and like I'm just endlessly fascinated yeah, by this I, I you know there's a lot of people who find that threatening or they find it somehow like it's it's a desecration of music I don't look at it that way at all I mean I just know shit like I'm I, coming th- around to it it's, I just used I think, to avoid it because it used to take up so much like hearing those songs always like yeah. out in the world you're just like overwhelmed by it and it sounds it's just so bombastic and it's so like you know yeah. and like sometimes well, when they're good, they're good. Right. And and I think there's like arguments to be made that there's songs that are written at a really, as far as like artistically, they're written at a really high level. Uh, the arrangements can be shit and the, the instrumentation can also be like super, super shit. Right. But 
if you strip, like I always use like a happy birthday as like a really good example. I'm like, happy birthday is like, eh, shit ain't going anyplace. Like people are going to be fucking singing happy birthday in the year like 3000 <laughs> on a piano, right? You can play happy birthday like with no accompaniment and you know what the tune is. Like a good tune is a good tune is a good tune, but like it's like, it's like finding fucking gold. And like right. a dragon's asshole. It's like the but hardest shit on earth. I love like her whole process. Like Esther, I'm going back to Esther Dean because I'm obsessed with her. Um, her whole process of like, well, she has like this, te- there, this I, from what I understand, from what I gleaned, there was a lot of information in the article. It's really long. Um, there's like a couple principal like um, producers and songwriters. And like there's these two like Norwegian guys and like it's that sound that like late 2000s early 2010s sound mm-hmm. is definitely like a fusion of um just like the most condensed poppy version of like euro dance i guess mm-hmm. you know cuz it's like all of these like rises and climaxes and really intense mm-hmm. builds and stuff like that and like every everything has to be a hook Yes. In the songwriting process. That was really, really interesting. It, it, all, it all goes back to ABBA. And what Esther Dean does, I, I know, she d- every little She's part like, of the Asian. song <laughs> is a hook. Yeah, the that's The pre-chorus, tough. the chorus, every line in the verse. Yep. Everything, even if it's not like a word, if it's just like an utterance, like it's like everything is a hook and something that immediately like just gets everyone on board with a song, you know? And like... um. I guess like the theory is, is that when you're listening to the radio, um, audiences, um, only have like seven seconds of like an attention span before they'll change the station. So if the song doesn't pop like Mm -hmm. that and doesn't like completely like engage you, then they're going to change the station. So like that's the, that's part of like what goes into uh, songwriting at this level. You so know? And so I find no that 16 really... bar uh, uh, build up in the no, beginning? No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Like the snare roll has to go but for I'm 32 bars. <laughs> I'm saying I'm trying to have the offset hi-hat. I mean, I shaped that shit for like six hours. I want to make it count, goddammit. Yeah, it's, yeah no, I totally understand. It's, it's just it's, interesting. It's tough. it's tough. But it's also like, it's, a, it's blood sport at that level. Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking like the difference between somebody's kid going to college uh or them pulling a Lori Laughlin, you know what I mean? Like there's like there's a there's different stakes there, and I think that's the part of it that I'm kind of like I'm a little in awe of. Like I see right. it, it's it's kind of a fascinating world to me. Yeah. And totally when people pull me. it off, I'm like, God damn it! I never Everything of- in me says no, but like, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of myself as a poptimist, but now I'm sort of like dabbling in this more. What's Especially, a it goes hand in hand with my obsession with karaoke and i feel like um i just have more of an appreciation for you know pop songwriters and all of this kind of like commercial world of music i don't know when when katie says poptimist she's referring to the 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 like the early mid 2000s debates over rockism and popism okay okay um, okay, that's the that's the comparison. The, the, like the first great blog wars, I think they were. Known yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought everybody knew <laughs> the great that blog phase. wars Sorry. of the early two thousands. <laughs> I mean, so uh, Daniela so, yeah. Baldelli. Well, let's let's. I mean, I assume most of our listeners know who Baldelli is. No, but let's. I, I wouldn't Google. assume too much. Okay, so let's uh, let's set the stage. Italy. This mix, in particular, that we're talking about is from nineteen eighty four. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is Baldelli C98. Um, you can you can find an extensive archive of Baldelli we'll have mixes link. at cosmicmantova.blogspot.com, which uh, is a you know pretty pretty thorough archive of of Baldelli mixes from I think seventy nine or seventy eight until uh, eighty four Example of why that Baldelli mix hit me in a very emotional way this afternoon when I listened to it. Because it reminded me of looking for records with a specific dance floor that didn't exist in mind. Yeah. Which is, at the time when I was collecting, I was not actively DJing. I like had this weird uh, vision of like me being a monk who just sat on a mountain of records and like DJ friends of mine would come. And this is actually what happened. They used to come and be like, oh, can I like borrow this and borrow this? Right. I'm play. What do you got? What do you got? Yeah. And they were like, oh, what did you get like new? And I would be like, well, I shall see. And I would like hand off a record to them. And that, uh, that sort of approach is what, and I think when you were mentioning all of the stats about Baldelli and the cosmic scene and that approach, there's something that I find so addictive about the approach, which to me is like, there's no way I can say this in a nice way, which is like ass open. It's like you just are open to what works. And I think that's really great when you have a specific club and you've built uh, a context to play that in. Like, that's the dream. That is the dream. You yeah, know absolutely. that like I can get away with murder because I've made murder legal in this club. Well, I mean, like, like... Like, that's also, for instance, like, Detman's relationship to mm-hmm. playing at Berkheim. 100%. When you see Detman play at Berkheim, yeah. it's like, oh, my God. He's like, that's, just, that's he's, the this is This is the master in his court, and, yeah. I like, we are all just witnessing. That's why it works. Yeah. Like, that's like, why it works. You build it. You're building a sound. doesn't necessarily work anywhere else. No. I don't. I think in a lot of places it doesn't actually uh, yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I've seen Detman in New York, it's a snooze fest. When you yeah. watch him at Berkheim, oh, my God, this is, it's religious. This is dance music. This yeah. is incredible. Um, yeah. So yes. I think that that's I think the power of like, and I, I mean we can even st- take a step away from like talking about Baldelli, but just that approach I think is what makes that's what makes all this shit exciting again. And when you really kind of get back 
to seeing like how did you get into this to begin with like that's kind of like it was like I mean I could, again this is the music person side of me it's like you come to it from music yeah. and you know f- like I have a I have like a very uh, a real varied music background like playing in hardcore and punk bands playing in fucking like <laughs> near death metal and black metal bands but at the same time like being like super steeped in like 90s New York rave culture and like dance music and whole nine yards like you have those sort of approaches also the backbone of everything for me is like fucking hip hop so there's having all these approaches but then at the same time realizing as you get older and you start realizing you've amassed uh, a, 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 a library of music how to weave those things together yeah absolutely was yeah. like was like my what, entire what are the common threads what, yeah. what, what makes sense here and when what, you what see is someone do it this? you're like shit you see Levan do it you see Baldelli do it Fuck it, you see Harvey do it. You see, like, some of the best do it, and you're like, oh, it can be done. Yeah. But I don't think it's just, like, play whatever you want, which is what I was trying to do at one point. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, start with this, like, ambient record. I'm going to ease them in. And then you realize they're all gone. (laughs) The dance floor is fucking empty. Yeah. (laughs) I probably shouldn't have started with this. That was a stupid idea. (laughs) You have to earn that shit. It takes fucking time. Like, you have to earn it. It takes fucking time. And that's the thing with, like, Baldelli or with Larry Levin or Ron Hardy or people who had, like, who had like residencies and like knew their crowd and knew their shit. They made um, their crowds. They shaped it. Yeah, crowd. exactly. Oh, yeah, they yeah, completely yeah. like shaped it 100%. But um, another thing is that, yeah, like they embody this essence of like play whatever. Um, and it's, and it's a thing that I think has been quite lost. I mean, we all go out and see very like linear shit, you know, like no one plays, everyone sort of plays in the pocket. You know I mean? We've 90, all 90 minutes to two hours and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of like, you know, you can't deviate very much. I mean, I've played a lot in Germany and I've gotten all the complaints that oh, I play yeah. a house record in the middle of a techno what set and it's, you know, a I grand crime. Yeah. Yeah. Please. But there's something about I mean, and and there are there are some DJs who try to who try to do this sort of like wide ranging thing and play just kind of like oh every genre and it doesn't work. But no. with people like Baldelli, it works because you look at this track list and like we've been alluding to, you've got a dance hall record, you've got Chris and Cozy, you've got uh, Thompson Twins, you've got. Um, uh, Felicuti band members. Love the Thompson You've got twins. everything. A bunch of Brazilian shit in that mix. And it all Which was yeah, very yeah, yeah. interesting. But it all fucking works. Yeah. And it none totally of does. it none of it is like a hard left turn. It's all very interesting. It keeps you engaged, but none of it is like, ooh, like I have we've theory. really changed. You know, it's like it's these I, people I, who can see I think saying that too, like 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 there's there's a a profound respect for the disjunct between tracks. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like it doesn't need to be seamless. It doesn't yeah, need yeah. to be totally coherent. Like these two tracks can work together despite not working together by certain technical metrics. Yeah. That is honestly one of my favorite things about DJing. <laughs> Maybe because I am a very disjunctive DJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes, is also sometimes. Kind of boring. I mean, yeah. that's the thing about like, like I, I having the music the, the the dudes who come to you and are like hey man like what's the record you got they were technically way better than anything i could ever do but i also never cared about that and so it gives you the license to to say like okay at the end of the day 
could be technically good, but I'm not in a fucking DMC disc jockey juggling fucking competition. Right, yeah. Like, this is not what I'm here for. Uh, I'm a music person. Why don't I just play to my strengths, which is like, I know what works. I know it's good. I know it makes motherfuckers move around. Okay, cool. So, like, that's going to be more important than, like, perfect mix. Like, I, I just, I mean, that's cool. I think people can do that. I honestly am, like, I'm jealous. Well, yeah, like, like I mean, when you watch someone like DVS1 play. Oh, He's on three he's, turntables. He's also really good. Yo, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> really you watch him play shit. on three turntables and four CDJs, and yeah. you're like, he's playing seven tracks at once, yes. and this is making how he's mixing a track every 22 seconds. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. Yep. It technically it is jaw dropping. I mean, it's, dude, it's, it's 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 did you astounding. Re- did you see the article with Mills explaining his fucking DJing technique? I still haven't read the stupid I article. I literally wanted to kill myself. <laughs> Because I was like, this is not how human beings think. <laughs> and it confirmed a lot of shit I used to think about Jeff Mills. And yeah, I'm not yeah, even yeah, lying yeah. about this. I was like, alien. Pretty sure he's an alien. <laughs> no, we're, like, we're, you don't look yeah, like yeah. that and not be a fucking alien. Yeah, we're, I was like, that's just weird. And I was like, he looks weird as fuck. He acts weird. He talks weird. He looks weird. like an alien. And then when he Sounds talked, like an alien. DJ's yeah. like an alien. Alien. Dude, he said, it was, like, it was so crazy. He goes, he's like, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm not mixing... Uh, tracks in the way that like a lot of DJs mix he's like I'm mixing frequencies and I was like okay here we go here we go Dorcas like what's next and he goes in he's like yeah so you have you know obviously you have mid highs and uh and lows so he's taking but he's like add to that like with the mids like split that in two and then he'll take the mids from one record the mid highs from another record then the highs from another record and the lows from another record. And then he's finding spaces in between the beats to mix those points in. And I was like, fuck you, dude. Like, seriously? That's fucking nuts. Like, what are you, what happened to you as a child that would make that, like, that's nuts. Like, it doesn't, like, I don't know how a brain thinks that way. And I was like, I'm either really stupid, which is very, very possible. But at the same time, I'm just like, I don't, I just don't fucking get it. And then you see people like that and you're like, not only are they technical, but they also do know how to move a fucking dance floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're just kind of like, I, I've seen people do the technical thing and they're super boring. And Absolutely, like, yeah. Or even the eclectic thing, which was the thing for a while. Remember when everybody no, was yeah, calling yeah, you yeah, like, for sure, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, that's the style. It's eclectic. I was like, that was not a very inventive name for this. Well, what did they play when they played eclectic? Same, th- I mean, the same type of thing, same like type of approach, but... Like it's, I, it's it's like rare groove. Like yeah, what is yeah. Katie was talking about rare groove earlier. Rare groove. Yeah, what is rare groove? We're old. Yeah, sure. Sure. Rare <laughs> like, groove. Yeah, rare groove. Wasn't I was that a labeled term? well, I was labeled rare groove when I started DJing at the local bar Artland a few blocks away from where we are currently podcasting in Williamsburg. Yeah. Um the owner was like, Well, you know, I brought in like my C D collection and like ten records I had. He's like Roy Ayers, Rare Groove. No, no. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you're you're playing the Rare Groove, you know, because you're just playing like nothing that makes sense. <laughs> Should we? I know you want to talk about this one mix in the Baldelli. Oh, oh, is I mean, the, the, there's nothing. I mean, we talked about Baldelli for like eight seconds, and then talked about a bunch of other stuff, and. That's I think that's all there's talking. No, about. I know, but I, but I know you. No, were, I know you, you were obsessed to, with the sex change chicken trash. Yeah, you, you know, please let's yeah. just go on about this. Yeah. 
while we were listening to the track in the uh, in the oh, to the mix in the shop, um, uh, you know, kind of perusing over the, the 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 track lists in the comments, and the track list is supplied by commenters, by, by, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, all in Filling Italian, in the and they're fighting with each other. I presume about which track is what. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of kind of like. There's a lot of uh, some back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And the the track list on this one seems particularly disputed and kind of hard to parse because there are there are three or four people with proposed track lists that all kind of contradict each other to varying degrees. Like some of them have like a gong track in the beginning, which is actually on the beginning of the second side of the mix. And so that gong track Um, on the second side of the mix is very interesting because he starts the mix playing that gong track at 45 and then when the track kicks in you can hear him press the 33 button changes completely but it i mean that's like a baldelli thing that yeah you just that's some that's some next level shit it's some high it's some high level mistakes yeah yeah i mean that's that's fucking great like i don't know sometimes you were just too high on heroin hey i'm uh baldelli and uh i just oh man it's just like perfection just I know that's so cliche to say like perfection is boring but like no literally it's boring yeah it's boring as shit like it's super baldelli none of like all these mixes are Imperfect. If they're like totally fucked up, but they're amazing. Like well, you're they, sitting I mean, there, they, and you're they, listening they, to... vary, they vary from like they vary from like technically very competent. Yeah, to, exactly. To train wrecks. Yeah, yeah. Like straight up train wrecks. But none of them are the bad. They're all enjoyable. Yeah. It's all like an amazing journey of music. Wait, you know? I mean, like, like let's be real. Would you rather hear fucking Mills live at the Liquid Room or Ben Clock? Exactly. Ben Clock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not hating on Ben Clock particularly. No, I think Ben Clock's fine. I just like... He's eh. just a DJ who DJs extremely technically He's precisely. technically precise. Yeah, yeah. And does technical. this thing that is... And I would every time rather hear Mills train wreck of insane course. 90s. Exactly. Because he's mixing um, frequencies, man. Yeah, he's, he's on that frequency shit. <laughs> he's on that frequency he's, shit. That's on many next levels. Um, yeah. There's... there's uh, I think there's also a value to, to understanding that like you... Man, I feel like, man, am I am I crazy or have I just not had dis- discussions about this outside of my brain? But like, I feel like I've said for a while, I don't think it's a bad idea to have a human being behind your mixes. Like that's right. Yeah, exactly. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Like certain, you can look at certain origins of techno and the idea of like not being a human being anymore and becoming a robot. Like that sounds cool, but like really at the end of the day, post human still train wreck. Okay, yeah. like it's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fuck up sometimes. And like I used to get really sweaty and fucking nervous and I probably stunk to high heaven because when I had a train wreck I was like I'm terrible and I suck and I need to leave this profession it's fucking terrible and then after a while I was just like ah, you're all drunk shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the part of it that this is what I wanted to ask you when you're traveling and DJing and they, and they know and how I, to navigate things I'm faster I'm just curious if other people had to deal with this and you have to play as a headliner I'm never headliner, but no, come on, no, for sure. There's definitely been chances. Like, no, I, I've, have I, you ever had to feel? 
So you slip a house record in while you're playing in Berlin. And the approach is like, ah, what are you doing? This is not the vibe of the club. Like, oh, no. And then you feel like, oh, shit. Like, so I'm not allowed to do that anymore? And then it happens at the next place. And then in the next city. And then at the next place. And then it happens on the next time you're out again. And that keeps happening. Where you're, you start paring down all of the things you do that are, that made you who you were. Yeah, for sure. And then you're just another motherfucker who's just beat matching. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've yeah. had that feeling so many times where it's like after a couple of years of like touring and stuff, you know, I started off playing kind of all over the place, you know, I mean, not all over the place. I'm not fucking Baldelli here, but, you know, I was, you know, playing like, yeah. you know, house, you know, well, like, like definitely of, like the, the American style of DJing. Yeah, I think it's just very, American like, style. Like, like, yeah. Oh, you mix a house record into yeah. a techno record into a disco record. Yep. Like, throw like, an electro thing in there. Yeah, maybe like, throw like, like some weird IDM thing in you there. You don't play yeah. 49 back. minutes of electro and then... Yeah, and then play then one an hour of techno record, yeah. And then like an hour of house. Like you just, you kind of mix it all up. And yeah. yeah. It, 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 that, that's very natural to an American Oh, it's ear. totally natural. But they but um, like when you're mm. on the road, man, they don't fucking like Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I mean... I'm from Eastern Europe, so it's even like a whole different animal. And it's actually very interesting because um, when I was when I started going out, out to clubs and got into dance music, I mean, it's like uh, 15 years ago, 17 years ago, right? The scene was really small and we were deprived of good parties or like people coming from Europe or America and I remember then like in early 2000s when I before I started DJing but I I was going uh, to the clubs religiously it's like somebody mentioned today oh I went to see this uh, live set but it's like it's not a live set it's boring set I think uh, so here you said like oh it's like a boring live set of artists I remember when like in early oh, yeah. 2000s uh, there were uh, musicians who not coming to DJ but playing live sets with the laptops. Like people yeah. who were into music were extremely excited because yeah. it just like happens once in a blue music. moon, and mm-hmm. it's music, and it's actually you can hear the whole vision of this artist. And like at that time, I didn't realize that it's just like just the computer and Ableton. It's not that hard of a setup, and it's actually yes, it is pretty boring if you like objectively look at it but yeah i think people always were eager in in moscow and st petersburg and in some bigger uh, russian cities because it just um there was not that much going on and uh then there were like some posh clubs with uh bad um ibiza house and then they would uh get a big dj who might be like a good actually dj bob sinclair or i don't know like music people dimitri from paris or nikki siano and then they would cut them off in a after half hour paying like crazy money because the crowd at this party you have to tell them that story huh they paid him like 50 g's and they only for like yes i think i think dimitri from paris played at, at one of these posh uh uh Clubs for where like there are a lot of prostitutes and oligarchs and everybody. The is, fucking uh, oligarch money, yeah. damn! Is this late nineties? Like no, it's actually no, mid two thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 it, it was it was like it was it was a period. I think it still happens and and yeah, Dimitri from P- Paris played in one of those clubs and I think 
they paid him like I don't know big chunk of change and he played for like 20 minutes and they told him hey that's enough we'll just tell our local DJ vibe. to play because it's not the vibe of our wow club. I, so, I want to build a career so that. yeah that, that <laughs> <laughs> my whole career will be like disappointing people like can you please leave I'll be like fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and I'm and I'm out of here like I'm out that would be so great me and a group of friends um we we used to run a party in in late 2000s and we are all coming from intergalactic fm world it used to be cbs at that point right and you were on cbs oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. What, what, what was your handle on cbs uh i mean that's that's how i learned about music <laughs> basically i was I, w i think i was S just sos on cbs I was very, very active on CBS. No, I, I, IFM, I was never active on. CBS, I was active on. And Global Darkness, I was active yes. on. Yes, yes, I remember Global Darkness, Jesus. too, yeah. Well, which we're is, getting how, the, which we're, is how I met, we're how gonna, I met Will Burnett initially. We're, we're getting really the forum awesome. started yes. all the time. Is Berlin done? Oh, Berlin's done. I'm not going to be the one to, yeah, you guys to don't, I'll say publicly it. put the hammer down, but... I'll yes. say because I have nothing to lose because I sit in a studio and film stuff all day and then I go out and film people so nobody's going to give a shit about what I say. Who's Lil Nas X? I know. <laughs> Who is it? Who is Lil Nas X? I really X? feel like um, the, the whole like cowboy aesthetics come from just like the Maybe the cowboy emoji? I don't know. <laughs> this is the most interesting theory ever. No, I feel like people are embracing more cowboy aesthetic. Like, no, I really feel like cowboy emoji is has its own life. <laughs> the cowboy no, the emoji. cowboy emoji has its own life. Yeah, uh, you're, you're so you're right. right. Like, you're I, so I'm right. The, the, the I'm the sheriff uh, uh, series of... Uh, tweets i have a theory it's red dead red dead redemption i think it's one of the things i also just think america is america's fucking cowboys and rappers that's what it is yeah it's america both yeah. things are very very american yeah, Truly yeah, yeah. American. we were yeah. talking about this morning actually in preparation for the show i swear <laughs> to god um and we were just sort of like if you really look at the lyrics of that song you look at the lyrics of the majority and i'm not the i'm definitely not the first person to say this I, the first person i heard say this was ice t of all people he was like there's no difference between hip hop and uh in country music he's like think about the like the topics and the themes and he's like but also think about it like this it's storytelling it's right. narrative right and it's like it's, it's american it's american folklore it's american I folklore i agree completely yeah so to me that whole like dust up between like Man, it worked out for his career, I'll tell you that much. But um, that song, like, blowing up and people in this whole... I don't know, was it even a debate? I don't think anybody was like, that's not country, stay off my list. Except no, the people at Billboard. Billboard. Yeah, Billboard was just like, it doesn't embrace country, yeah, that's the country genre shit. enough. I don't mind Billy Ray Cyrus in this context. Yeah, like, well, it was a lot like, less when? bad than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah, I was surprised, but I like the original. the bridge too far. Right? Yeah, for me, for me personally, it's when I, he when he when he comes in. I'm just like, yeah. When he comes in and says, "There's Fendi the version without Billy Right, the Billy version Cyrus, without is definitely and the superior that's, version. That's my oh really? Yeah, that's my pick. The version without, I think, is the superior one. Yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, she's like, okay. she's oh, like, oh, you losers don't understand I the just, genius. Like, Baby's gotta have it. Diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. 
Driving down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. I am the closest you have to your situationist karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) It's just in my opinion, uh, there are different ways of how people consume music and sure uh, things change, but there is kind of, I mean, especially dance music scene and music surrounding dance music scene more or less it just there are music heads right and like we're here music heads we uh dig deeper we're really passionate about music we appreciate music uh we create music right there are people who are sort into music and normally music heads can influence the taste of these people right like for example people in creative field they would be like, oh, this is some underground techno project. I, uh, they're playing today uh, in the club in my city. I would go check them out. But also when I go uh, to my work on the subway, I'm going to listen to Lana Del Rey yeah. or to some right. or, or whatever it is. Right. And uh, there are people who genuinely don't care about music. So they kind of can digest more or less everything, mm-hmm. but probably naturally they would will uh, lean towards something which industry will provide with of course and this is always majority right and one of uh, my long-term goals and i don't i don't want to like put this on your shoulders also but i know one of my long-term goals is like how to take all of the the shit we love when i say we i mean like electronic hardcore dyed in the paint music fans and then incorporate elements of that into something that is like a deliverable package right. or like a brand <laughs> that people can absorb really fucked up ideas in a way that they don't realize they're absorbing fucked up ideas. That's the, that's the hill. That's like the fucking Mount Everest of like, that's what makes it difficult. That's David Bowie. That's Lenin. That's Lenin. That's like, (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, like the revolutionary vanguard, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, taking charge of culture and manufacturing it. It's like, it's so fucking hard. And like, it keeps like, it keeps us up at night. I'm eating bread. I'm sorry, everybody. All right. This podcast has truly become a flat circle. (laughs) We've circled back to the same topic now. uh, From 17 hours ago. Yeah. Um, so just to finish up, yes, we, we, are we talking bread? Are we really going to do give us the bread epilogue? Give us the bread epilogue. Don't give me something I love and take it away from me. So, so, so for some, not going to give it, not going to give it, not going to take it away from you, but I want, I want you guys to speak to the bread comprehension of our audience, which is very, very minimal. Okay. I'll just say this. Don't be afraid of gluten, you nerds. Not everybody, yeah, it's true, um, gluten-free trend, but for, most of people eat bread, they like bread, so... <laughs> yeah, stop lying to yourselves. <laughs> yeah, but I'll inspire our audience to, you know, bake. Stop okay, so for, 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 some, for some broader context, both Sakira yes. and I are, are avid, if not obsessive, yes. home bakers. Yes. Um, We've eaten bread at every podcast taping. Yeah, I mean, I, it's part of, part, part of my ritual to bring some kind of baked good here uh but i i bake several times a week and both here and i are, yeah. are are champions of of wild yeast wild yeast um and taming it uh, exactly and 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 also being tamed by it yes and allowing the it relationship to, is, allowing it to hurt okay, your so it sounds so sexual so talk, <laughs> i mean baking like most things is fundamentally s&m yeah. it's it's we're surrounded in 
microorganisms that exist in the this air. This is good. Give us that mouth. Uh, so too. when you give them something to eat, they go and make a home inside that thing. And they start eating it, and then they start burping and farting and burping and farting, and they create gases. Um, and then you have an active culture, and then you can utilize that culture to feed more of it, and you take a seed of that. So in other words, you'd get rid of the majority of it once it's been spent or it's eaten. Take a little bit of that, give it more food into a new, uh, what would you call that? New batch of food. I just feed it. I don't you're know. It's a tough one. It. Yeah, you're just yeah. feeding it. And this this can go on. It keeps for, growing this can go on for hundreds, hundreds of, years. of years. Hundreds of years. This um, can go on. You could, you know, humanity has been doing this for a very, for a very, very, long, very time. long time. Um, most, oh, most bread products until uh, what? A hundred and forty well, yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. We're we're made with wild yeast. Um, until you, until you had, well, first you had, um, uh, chemical leavening, you had, mm-hmm. uh, baking, baking powder, soda, or baking, baking powder, right? Yeah. Um, prior to that, there was no real way of leavening bread other than, than, um, than, than sourdough, than yeah. wild yeast. Yeah. Um, in the early, late, late 19th century. Yeah. I think it was 1880, 1890. This is when they started introducing, uh, commercial yeast. Um, which was just more predictable. And so if you're, I mean, it would make sense because it would line up likely with industrial revolution. So it would make sense to have something that is predictable yeah, to yeah, be able yeah. to work with. And the thing is, th- that's the thing with wild yeast. It literally is fucking wild and it's mega annoying. Like it's super fucking irritating. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes bread might rise in three hours. Yeah. Rise in four. Or six. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, but I have to leave for work. <laughs> back, I have back, shit back I gotta do. Earlier, earlier yeah. vague mentions of uh, the, 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 how, uh, our starters' moods can affect our moods. Yeah, but don't, it's a very but, symbiotic. But don't you think that's kind of a beautiful thing? Like this was the part of it that, like, it's, this a pet. Is the it's le- literally a pet. Yeah, this it's is the my lesson pet. I learned was I have to stop forcing things. Like this is where the S and M part comes into it. <laughs> I have to stop being a, a, a fucking masochistic, um, oh no, sadistic person, and I have to start being a more um, switch person. <laughs> I think there, we just lost like there you go. three quarters of the audience. They're like, what's a switch? Oh, shit. <laughs> so basically it was about, it's a give and take. And it's when, you know, everything can affect it. Uh, temperature can affect it. The amount of moisture in the air can affect it. Absolutely. There's just like, there's a lot of stuff that you can't do a goddamn thing about. And all you can do is just wait, wait. And you have to obey the way it's. You have to feel it. I mean, like I watched somebody who will remain nameless, who I'll tell you off off the show, uh, did a whole bake, and I don't think he was measuring anything. What what what, what was your first foray into like baking? Seriously, was it was it the Leahy formula? Um, it was the Leahy formula mixed with um, my. That was at the same time that I figured out the tartine. Okay. Baking style. So, so, you, like, so you I, actually, you actually basically skipped commercial yeast. Yeah, and oh, so that, that that's bold. Kind of scared me. <clears throat> but then I sort of started going back to commercial yeast by figuring out, oh, well, it makes sense. I can do it with this for now. Right. And then that's when I started building it. But I'm going to tell you, I was like, I, I was like super. I just threw myself into the hole. I think just for a very short bit, you were doing commercial yeah. bread. Like well, from time to time, it was like fun. Or like some yeah. pizza from commercial Oh, yeah, yeast. I made some focaccias, focaccias from yeah. yeast. And um, then you just like went deep into it. Yeah, it was the thing is like I made a few focaccias by mistake. Uh, I don't remember how, but I was like, 
I don't want to make... Did you have a, a period where you were dabbling more with pre-ferments, bigas, poolishes, before you moved no, into... Um... No, 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 not really. Not too much. Um, I used to play a lot with Autolise Times, but lately I've been playing a lot with Autolise Times again. Oh, oh you, now, you, we're, you, now you, we're really in the weeds. This see, is, this, see, is, think... this is unusable. <laughs> <laughs> this is unusable. The main thing this about is, bread... This is primo content. I, yeah, I, I think I can uh, give a pretty much of a conclusion okay, on the, good. Thank on you. the bread thank you, thank conversation you. here. As an uh, observer, I can say that uh, making bread, it heals. And that's probably something which people who don't bake bread still will understand. Yeah, yeah it just emotionally it heals and um, it's very, very good for your conversation with yourself. Oh, I, 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 I totally agree. I, I, I totally agree. <laughs>